It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high-quality standards. Even Justin has started drinking AG1, and he tells me that it really helps his energy level, helps with stress, helps his gut health, all that good stuff. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner to the Dinners on Me podcast. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. Hi, it's Jesse. Today on the show, the sweet and thoughtful star of stage and screen, my friend, Jim Parsons. We talk about being careful around edibles, the Big Bang Theory pilot that never came to be, and Jim's very ambitious aspirations. I would love to play a lead character who doesn't speak, and I would really like to do something in a dress with a wig and makeup. You're going to want to stick around for this. Today, I had the chance to walk to our interview. It's in the West Village, a neighborhood in Lower Manhattan. It's a beautiful spring day, one of the first of the year, and I have a little pep in my step because this is one of my favorite places to eat in the city. And it's clear I'm not alone. Don Angie's got its Michelin star in 2021. Husband and wife chefs Angie Rito and Scott Tassinelli were semi-finalists last year for the James Beard Award in the Outstanding Chefs category. I could go on and on about the menu at Don Angie's, how the chrysanthemum salad is a work of art, the way the grated cheese just hovers over it like a cloud. Don't like sweet potatoes? Their Japanese sweet potatoes will literally change your life, your mind, and basically make you question everything you've thought before. I'm not being dramatic. And don't even get me started on the tiramisu. Pack your lactate, ladies. There's cheese on everything, as you expect, and it makes everything 1,000 times more delicious. This is Dinners on Me, and I'm your host, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Today, I thought I'd bring along a longtime New Yorker and an old neighbor of mine. You know him from Spoiler Alert, The Big Bang Theory, and Boys in the Band, Jim Parsons. I'm trying to remember actually the last time I had a meal with you. And I can't remember the actual... I've seen you in restaurants because we, we ran into each other in a we restaurant. One-fifth. Uh, yeah, right. But the the dinner that like really stands out in my mind... Okay, so I will back up and say we were neighbors in, in Los yes. Angeles for quite some time. We had become friends, I think, just kind of through being in the industry together. We had a lot of mutual friends. I kind of sought you out as a friend, <laughs> I, I, I'll admit. And I, I think you already know this, too. I was like, when I first started, I was like single in New York. I'm like, well, 
what about Jim Parsons? He's handsome. Like what? And I was like, oh no, he's he's in a very long, long relationship. Todd knows this. He's, yeah, he's in a relationship. I was like, okay, well maybe you know he'll be you a were great just friend. Fishing. I was just fishing. I was you know, just, you know, we haven't even met. It might not throwing out a lord exactly. But we finally did meet, and you know we had great chemistry as friends. I think yeah. you know I, I I adore Todd. And then luck would have it, you moved in literally six doors down from me. Yes. in Los Feliz. Yeah, and. Those were very great years for me, and I was very sad when you left. But there was a specific dinner. Todd and Justin planned like a double date. We decided to go to a Mexican restaurant in my, our neighborhood. Oh my God. Do you remember this? And oh, I yeah. was having back pain. And so a friend of mine who had stayed at my house had left some, mm -hmm. some gummies. Quote unquote, back pain. Yeah. <laughs> I was having back pain. Yes. And so like around like one, I took a gummy. Yeah. And I'm I'm not an experienced weed consumer. I've gotten better at it now. Like I know. We won't say the name, but it is a famous friend that gave you this. Padma Lakshmi. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll say the name. Okay. Um and so I took too much of this gummy. Yeah. And we had already confirmed with you and Todd, like like thirty yeah. minutes before, and then the gummy hit. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand up. Yeah. And Justin was like, we just confirmed with her. Should we, should we yeah. bail? And I was like, no, we just confirmed with them. It would be so suspicious. Like, same like, day. Same day. Like, yeah, like, what 30 happened? minutes earlier. Like, what happened in these 30 yeah. minutes? And I was like, I'm going to sleep it off. It might it's have been be the fine. friendship. Yeah, it might have. Like, that was weird. <laughs> but you would have explained uh, that. I would have. Well, I ended up explaining it because we ended up going out to dinner. Yeah. And I, I was, I had, I tried to sleep it off. Couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, we got to go to dinner. And we, we ended up picking, Justin drove, obviously, picked you guys up, went to dinner, and about, 10 minutes in, I was like, I gotta come clean. I am absolutely yeah. stoned out of my mind yeah. right now. See, the thing that I admired so much about it, and one of the reasons I never forgot, and I said this to you at the time, was like, I would have had to have canceled. Yeah. Because if I would have been that stoned, I guarantee, I would have been so paranoid. Yeah, I was. Yeah, but you just, you looked more like you were on volume. You didn't look paranoid. <laughs> I felt like I was just like laughing uncontrollably at everything. Yeah. Look, the unhealthy version of this, and I've dealt with it before, is there is nothing like a good couple of drinks to help the paranoia. Right, right. But my God, all the ingesting you have to do of no, substances no, no, to no, even no, yourself to even that out. out. No. Um, but that's why I can't, like, I'll do CBD mm. for physical things or whatever, and even to relax a little bit. But um, I have to be very, if somebody gives me something with some THC in it, I have to yeah. just bite off a tiny bit. Oh, well, and now I know. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely, like I said, I'm, I'm more, I'm more versed in like what I can handle now. Yeah. But like, I was, Padma really did, did one over on me. Did it help the back? I don't remember. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess it's the, there you go. I guess it did because <laughs> <laughs> the pain went away. Oh my God. Um, but I will admit, I was very, very sad when you and, and Todd left, you know, yeah. just when you left LA. Well, and you, you and Justin were a reason we were sad to leave LA. Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi Jennifer. Welcome to Thank you very Thank much. You. Can I start you off with any tap water, sparkling water? I'll um, do sparkling. Water? I'll do the same. Yeah, All thank right. you. Thanks. Thank you. Wonderful. Any questions about the menu? Um, I mean, I know it very well. Do you want to tell Jim about any of this stuff that you, like, yeah, you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Some okay. of our staples here on the menu that never change um, are the uh, the stuffed garlic flatbread. It's absolutely delicious. Mm -hmm. um, the chrysanthemum salad um, is definitely something that has always stayed on our menu. Mm -hmm. um, a really great refreshing option, too, is the uh, spicy cantaloupe and copa. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, the lasagna for two is something that you just absolutely can't miss. It's insane. Are we doing that? We are. We're oh, gonna, okay, good. I think we're just going to do all that. All oh, right. great. Yeah, for sure. I want the chrysanthemum salad. Oh, no matter what happens. Insane. Okay. It's so good. 
so I, I just feel like you have such a deep love affair with this city and you feel comfortable here. Like, yeah. I, I know, obviously, were, were you, like, doing pilot seasons? Were you, like, just coming out to L.A. and... No, well, not at first. At first, I was doing pilots by auditioning on tape here in New York. That was and a thin thing back then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I auditioned, like... Well, I'm 50, so come on. <laughs> I've been doing it a little while now. But... Uh, I would put things on tape. And I remember before I ever heard anything back from those, I thought, well, those go in the trash. Yeah. You know, which is silly to say now because I was working with very respected casting yeah, yeah, directors yeah. that the companies hired to do right, these right, things. Right. They weren't throwing them away. But it just seemed so out. I was like, there's so many actors in L.A. Why would they need to? But a couple of different times, I would suddenly get flown out for a test. Um, I got pilots from from that. And then after a couple of those that didn't lead to pickups. Uh, it was actually Todd who at some point said, we should move out there for a while. Mm. And you can meet these casting directors there in person. And maybe you can get some roles that maybe you aren't getting because they will hire somebody right. locally as opposed to, you know, depending on the size of the role. And so we did, and but then the show got picked up, and so that was that. But, but I guess, actually, to back up, I was staying out there for a pilot season when I got Big Bang. Okay. That was something that I was there and implanted myself there for a pilot season. And it really was, it really was a very dark moment in a lot of ways. I uh -huh. felt in some ways the reason why I never clicked completely with LA was I, it was easy for me to get kind of landlocked and isolated mm -hmm. in LA. Yeah, very. And it's a lot more difficult to do that here. Not that I can't achieve it, but you know, even to go get the mail, you run into 10 different people. Right. So it's just not as possible to, to be isolated like that. And back then I smoked a pack a day and it was just, I do look back on it, not without gratitude, but like, I wouldn't yeah. want to be there. Again. It's a totally different place in your yeah. life. I, I, my, my first experience in LA was, was a show that did go for a year, but then ended. What was it and called? The, the class. class. And actually, you know what show replaced us? Big Bang Theory. Is that true? <laughs> That's absolutely true. I yeah. knew we took over your studio. Time, and I think our time slot and everything, yeah. Were you on CBS? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. 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 It's okay. It worked out. But like... <laughs> But I remember just being so devastated because I was like, well, that was like my thing. That was my shot. Did Big Bang Theory get, it wasn't picked up for a season and then there was a whole season that happened and then mm -hmm. they tried it again the next season? Yeah. And what didn't. was it, a casting thing or was it a... They didn't get the character that Kaylee ultimately played right the first time. Mm. She was much more of a street smart. I mean, she was ultimately the more street smart of our group, obviously. But it was done in a much more vicious way. Like, like in the original pilot, uh, Leonard and Sheldon come across her crying, and it wasn't played by Kaylee then, come across her like crying on a corner, her boyfriend's dumped mm -hmm. or whatever. And, like, she kind of lasses us in, like, kind of puts one over on us in order to have a place to stay. It was just, so you had three lead characters where one of them was constantly like, heh, heh, these guys. And it was like, well, that's not, that's not endearing. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. So, I, we, from the table read to the shooting of that first pilot, they kept trying to massage it into something more, mm. 
heart filled between these characters, and it just it, it needed the time and a complete rewrite essentially to do that. Right. Once it was rewritten, that went beautifully. What they did with that Penny character, Kaylee's character, but they didn't change much at all from what me and Johnny had done. Mm -hmm. Like so many of the lines were the same, so many of the scenes were the same. The other thing they did was we had one female science nerd friend, as it were, in our group. And poor actress who was wonderful, they they said, you know what, we're going to split that into two more and make them both men. So we ended up with Kunal and Simon because yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they changed the location from the East Coast to the West Coast, and they completely overhauled the color palette. Mm -hmm. The original pilot looks a lot like our show, but it looks as if you threw a sepia filter on it and covered it with cobwebs or something like that. It's it's just, it was it was a, a smart move on their part. Yeah, 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 shabby chiced it. Yeah. First of all, yeah. when you were shooting the pilot, it wasn't working. Cause I've also been a part of things that aren't yeah. working and it's like, it's can be heartbreaking and scary. Yeah. Were you feeling like, okay, this is probably not gonna happen no. or? No, and I think this, and you've, nobody's ever asked it like that before, but so I'm just realizing this as you do. I think it speaks to ultimately exactly why CBS said, let's try again, because there was a lot working about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a live show, as, yeah. as you know, and so there was no denying that it was working on tape night, mm -hmm. or, or there were enough aspects working mm -hmm. on tape night that there was no reason to believe it for sure wouldn't get picked up. Right. Yeah. And but see, it was, I still, though, even through that version, think it was such a smart move on the part of CBS, and it made me wonder why it doesn't happen more often. They put all this money into these, making these pilots, and they either don't pick up something that has a lot of elements working, but just ultimately isn't making it, or they do pick up something like they could have picked us up right then and shot it, or tried it for a season, mm -hmm. and, and these same things would have been there and probably not allowed it to be the success it became. Mm -hmm. And instead, they reinvest a little more money or even a lot more money in doing but in a product they've already been working on and and it and it worked i don't yeah. know i yeah. know what they're doing or so i well hear. i mean gosh it's 12 <laughs> years of course it worked jesus hi chef hello how are this you this is jim hi i'm jim nice to meet you too just one more thing oh my god thank you oh yeah oh, perfect wait now chef you know i made i i attempted the the, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say attempted. I was successful. You, you crushed the uh, the lasagna. I made the, yeah. when you see the lasagna, you you're gonna realize you're gonna be very impressed that okay. I actually achieved this at my house. I have the cookbook, and, and I you're did like, like spend it. I I, I spent three days doing it because I made all the components separately, and then I yeah. assembled on the last day. On the seventh day, I rested. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you really persevered. You I did. Like, really it really took a week. I did. I did. I did. I did the bechamel, and now I have some. I have some shortcuts. Like I was okay. like, okay, maybe I'm gonna, you know, buy the bechamel. The bechamel <laughs> was the hardest part for me, actually. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it offline later. Yeah. 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 It's tr It's tricky for me. <laughs> But when, wait till you see this lasagna, and then we'll talk about the process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice, nice to meet nice you. Nice to see you. Um, and also, this um, the dressing on this salad is something I've made at home too. It's insane. Um, wait one second. I got a bite. Oh, that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. The 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 bread, the garlic bread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now for a quick break. But don't go away. Jim and I discuss how we balance playing roles that draw on our identities without being defined by those roles. Okay, be right back.
It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes rhodiola and B vitamins for an energy boost. I just sort of added it to my morning routine. You know, you brush my teeth, I floss, I have my AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying, something's different about you, but in the best possible way. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Over garlic bread, as you do, Jim and I dig into the impact of queer visibility in television and film. People are always asking me this. It's definitely a hot discussion point right now. Um, It's about, you know, being gay in Hollywood and the opportunity to play gay and, you know, straight people playing gay parts. I mean, the big profound thing that happened for me in Hollywood, in the class, I was playing a straight character. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that guy. I love, it was a, it was a, he was a quirky, he was a lot like Sheldon in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like off-center. Had a great time playing opposite um, Heather Goldenhirsch as my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then when Modern Family happened, I was playing a, mm-hmm. a, an out and proud gay man. And I spent 11 years doing that. And you spent 12 years playing, I wouldn't even say straight, a, a, asexual. asexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We eventually yeah. had sex. But well, sure, yeah, yeah. By the way, I just, I just saw Maya the other day. Oh, I did, I did my her sex podcast. partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. But, like, what are your feelings about this sort of new landscape that we're in with, I mean, I, I don't have, when people ask me this question, mm-hmm. I always lead with, like, I don't have the answers. This is what I'm yeah. working through today. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so many, like, potholes that people can fall into and I'm trying to avoid it but at the same time I'm like trying to figure out what do I feel about it yeah and I'll share with you what I do um I mean I've I've I I think opportunity needs to happen in communities more often I think we need to do a better job of looking for people who are 
able to play these roles specifically in the trans community. But, you know, as an actor, I can only speak for myself. Like, I want the opportunity to do many different things. Yes. And so it's hard for me to put, draw a line in the sand yeah. and say, like, that applies to me and not you. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, to me, it feels like a lot of the time the real storyline of this has, has been lost because the real storyline, as far as I understood it, for our whole lives has been, like, let's just take gay people, for example. That gay people should be offered the opportunities to play any role, even if you happen to know that they're gay. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't personally feel as a gay man that ensuring only gay men play these gay male roles is... I don't, I'm not sure what that does exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it does in terms of what I was saying, which was what I understood to be the storyline, which is like, can we get opportunities across the board? Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, it was always the more people that are known figures that are out as gay people yeah. was helpful to all of us. Visibility. Whether yeah, in the industry or in the world. Mm -hmm. And given there's a way of looking at kind of what's going on right now that I can't help, and I've wondered it many times, like, when is it going to become more advantageous to essentially stay in the closet mm. and maybe not lie, maybe not in this, it, maybe it's not me more like, no, I'm straight, but just basically it's none of your business, mm -hmm. which is valid, mm -hmm. and maybe I even applaud that. But again, it doesn't completely jibe with the storyline as I grew up feeling of what would be most beneficial. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. If I was 20-something right now, surely from a career perspective, why would I go with any storyline other right. than it's none of your business? Right. You know, I, I can't remember that. his name. The actor who's in White Lotus, so wonderful. Lucas Gage? Yes. Yeah. And I have no idea what his sexual orientation is or anything like that. I do know that there was some, I'll get this wrong, but this is why I don't know. He's essentially said, like, my letters of the alphabet are none of your business, right. basically. And it's right. like, okay. But in uh, in the same, he's also very publicly married. Uh, did you, oh, he's married? Yeah, he just got married to uh, his boyfriend. Oh, uh, so, well, I'm I mean, behind. So but, but, no, but, but also, he hasn't, he, but you're right, he has said, you know, that the letters of my alphabet are none of yeah. your business. Uh, he's also like, this is the person I'm marrying right now. Yeah. Um, what that means, you know, as far as like, oh, that's cold what I identify, the partner, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's 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 very. It, it, I I, I mean, I'm also we're also coming from this as people who have been in this business a while. Yeah. I'm 48 this year. Are you turning 50 this year? I already did. did. I'm already there. Jim, I know. Happy birthday. Thank you. That's a big one. Oh, it was huge. It's huge. Well, I want to backtrack for a second, only yeah. because what I was saying about. When I was referencing Lucas, I, and maybe this is understood, but again, in this day and age, I feel it's very important to clarify. Yeah. Um, I only meant positive about him. Like, he's somebody I admire, both as an yes, actor. me too. And his, there's such a joie de vivre about the things he says about his, his life. The, the little I've read about it and whatever, or seen yeah. him. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a positivity about his none of your business. You right. know what I mean? Right. That I think... I don't know. There's just a great thing about him. Yeah. But I think people ask us these things and you know, because we are obviously two gay men who have yeah. done okay in this business. Yep. But at the same time, it's like I, I don't want the responsibility. I don't have no. the answers. I no. don't. And also, I, we're not in charge of these things. That's either. exactly right. And so I, I, I can, exactly I can right. say 
what I hope for That's and what right. I, you know, where, where I hope we can, we, we're going toward, but yeah. I am not in charge of these things. Well, and it brings up another very important point on this topic, in my opinion, which is that it's so easy, and I understand why, and more interesting, mm -hmm. to ask people that you already know their faces to talk about things like casting or whatever, where they're out there in front on the poster or whatever. But it, that really is icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. we, we are where we are because of a system that hasn't, currently is still trying to catch up with more different kinds of voices. Like right. working to change from casting is, I don't wanna say it's fruitless because I think it's important in its own way. But how many times do you have to do that before you burrow in through your casting right. to the script and to the writers that were being developed? Well, and it's just like... I mean, someone who's doing a very good job with it is someone that, that you work with and know very well is Ryan Murphy. I think he like yes. it comes from the top and he's like, this is what we're going to do. Yes. And it trickles down. So I, I feel like more of that, please, yeah. um, is definitely needed. All right, guys. Oh, look at this. This is lasagna. Oh, my God. Okay. I mean, I didn't, first of all, it's on the cover of their cookbook, so you okay. know, that's where we're starting here. But look at how complicated that looks. Well, it I made doesn't this in my look oven. Like lasagna. Well, no, they're the wheels. I wouldn't like know what that wheels. is if they're I walked wheels. into yeah. it. Right, of course not. No, but like the, it, there's a bechamel in here. There's um, a, a ragu. Stunning. There's a pomodoro. It really was a three-day process because I made all the elements ahead of time, and then yeah. on the last day, I assembled it all. Not easy, but. Did it look it, vaguely like this? It looked exactly like this. Oh. I took photos. Didn't mine look exactly like this, Jennifer? This is the miyoki. So this is Georgetown oh. miyoki oh, with boy. and broccoli rabe. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. So thank welcome. you. Oh, it's insane. Delicious. I mean, see, see what I'm saying? That's not for two. That's for two families. Well, we are. Are okay. two very, very, very I mean, hungry people. Not with everything have a lot that we've things. eaten. And we're also skinny. We're, us. we're tiny boys. Tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny fifty-year-old man. But I do think it's interesting that after, you know, after Big Bang, mm -hmm. and after you, you, um, were you doing the Normal Heart when you did, were still doing Big Bang, the mm -hmm. play? Mm -hmm. So that was when you sort of came out publicly. You know, obviously you'd been out to your friends and family and yeah. loved ones, and basically, I think many, many people knew. But that was the first time in the publication that you yeah. said something. And, you know, just looking at what you've done before, you've had, and I could be wrong, but it seems like mostly it's it's been, you've been playing these really very intricate, very um, uh, layered gay men, and you do it so brilliantly. Uh, do, you, do you think that there will be an opportunity? And I'm asking this for mm -hmm. myself, too, because I want mm -hmm. it. Like, will we have opportunity, do you think, to play people who aren't known to be gay? Or do you think it's an uphill battle? Well, it does bring up another side of the whole thing, which is that the one thing I've realized is that I found playing them deeply interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And partly they were characters that were just interesting, but part of it was that I did bring something to them from my own life that, that I was able to, I don't know, I don't want to say it was therapy, but that it was, I was able to, I don't know, work some things through or work with some things that were that were part of me. And I guess what I'm saying with that is that I, at some level, the interest I had in wanting to be able to play no matter what part, whatever their sexuality, isn't as deep and as great as it was for me a decade ago. When you were talking about kind of like working through, you know, what's going on with you through these characters mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. um, 
Okay, so I'm going to be really honest with you. Mm -hmm. I took a very long time to watch Spoiler Alert. Okay. For reasons I'll explain. I mean, I read Michael's, Mm -hmm. Osiello's memoir, Mm -hmm. and it destroyed me. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed me. And I was so happy to know that you were doing that adaptation. And I just was like, I don't know if I can watch it. I don't know if I can watch it. I don't know if I can see that again. I don't know if I can see my friend go through that. And it won't be the same as the book. No. You know. Do you want to clean up more cheese? I am just tearing up a little bit. It's just, it's, you know, I, 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 I watched it a month ago. Knowing that you, I was probably I didn't you weren't even confirmed to do this at, the, at that time, but I was like I got I got to watch this movie. I, I should see what movie. he does as an actor. <laughs> I've never seen him work before. <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> He's very good. <laughs> oh, Jim, it's first of all, it's, it's a beautiful film, and your performance is, is stunning in it. It's it's a portrait of just a life lost too soon, mm-hmm. and a life lost that you 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 are. It feels like a relationship being ripped out of someone's fingers. Yeah. Them wanting to hold on so badly and just like not being able to do anything about yeah. it, and it's just it's a beautifully told story and it's a beautiful film. But the 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 movie adaptation, which is on uh, Peacock right now, you can stream it on Peacock. It's just it's so beautifully done. And what I kept thinking about as I was watching you do this was, uh, you are someone who has experienced grief. You lost your father Mickey mm-hmm. very suddenly mm-hmm. in a in a tragic accident, and then like I, obviously that that did. You know, you worked through that. But I also think so much about, and I only know this because I did know you at this mm-hmm. point, was, you know, when you lost your dog, Otis. Yeah. I remember being over at your house uh, when we lived next to one another, and I brought my little dog, Leaf, over, and Otis and Rufus and Leaf yeah. would all play. And, and I remember you saying, like, when this dog dies, just bury me with them. Did I? Yes. Yeah. And Justin and I were like, oh, my God, we feel the same way about, yeah. about Leaf. And I know how devastating it was when when he finally did pass. Yeah. And that is something that is a different type of grief that didn't yes. just come out of nowhere. No. It was something that you saw slowly happen. Yeah. Um, and it affected you in a, I'm sure, very profound way. As I was watching you, it's also one of the reasons I was like kind of hesitant to watch this film. Is like just watching you kind of filter through that grief on, on, on camera. Yeah. It was just so, I guess, I, I mean, t- talk to me a little bit about like what it was to bring that story Well, it was one of the most wonderful, intense experiences I ever had. For one thing, we also produced it, and we had had optioned the material from uh, Michael very early on. And so we were involved in it from before anything happened to during production to post-production. I mean, it was just constant, and so it really became a big part of our lives. So as a project in general, it was very meaningful and in a good way overwhelming for us. I mean, I don't know what word to use other than it felt like such a privilege and an honor to be able to go, like you say, filter those things through myself in their own subconscious way, marry them with my own things that I had gone through, you know, none of them can be compared, my father Mm -hmm. to Michael's husband to the dog. I mean, they're all just completely different situations. And and I think that's one of the most interesting, fascinating things to me about death and mortality in general is how reaction to death is, for me at least, has been so dictated to the specificity of the relationship that you're talking about. Mm. The death of my father was, of course, fathoms deep and, and, and complicated because it's a father-son relationship. And in this case, a, a gay son. Not that that was an issue between it, not that I, he, I never told him, but that was there. Whereas 
the dog is the most simple, you know, it's just love, basically. And as such, I cried gallons more tears when the dog died. Mm. It was just so easy to access. It was just, it, or we didn't get access, it was just happening. Whereas the, there were so many implications with the situation with my father. Do, you know, does this, am I stalling my career? Do I need to stay home? Mm-hmm. My, my mother? And just, there was just so many complications with it. And never mind all the emotional things. Um, and then to lose, you know, oh, it's hard to even say out loud, isn't it? But to lose your romantic partner, your life partner, mm-hmm. as Michael and Kit went through. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. a completely different thing altogether. So I don't know. I don't know that I'm answering your question so much as to say I I either innately or because of my own experiences find the topic extremely interesting. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. Coming up, Jim and I talk about his deeply personal decision to leave the Big Bang Theory. I just love the way Jim thinks about his life and I think he will too. Okay, be right back. Support for today's episode comes from Hexclad. I hosted the Jane's Beard Awards, um, twice actually. I'm, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling the truth. And Hexclad is the official cookware of the James Beard Foundation. So I was so happy to hear their Dinners on Me sponsors. Hexclad has revolutionized the cookware industry with an all-in-one hybrid pan that gives you the convenience and cleanup of nonstick, the versatility of your grandma's cast iron, and the durability to last a lifetime. Whether you want to make that perfect steak dinner on date night or ditch that greasy pan from your college apartment, Hexclad has you covered. James Beard celebrates incredible chefs annually with their prestigious awards that I have had the privilege of handing out. Again, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. And it's no surprise that Hexclad is their official cookware. They are a chef's dream and I, I just, I love cooking with them. I feel so professional when I do. Hexclad also has a lifetime warranty. These are literally the last set of pots and pans you will ever have to buy. Trust me when I say your partner, your family, and all your dinner guests will thank you. So, Chef, now is the time to upgrade that kitchen. For a limited time only, our listeners get 10% off their order with an exclusive link. Just head to hexclad.com slash JTF. Support our show and check them out at hexclad.com forward slash JTF. Bon appetit. Let's eat with Hexclad's revolutionary cookware. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, so listen, I was in my kitchen the other day, and I'm I'm very particular about how I like things in the kitchen. I need things to be in a specific place. I like things to stay clean. So imagine my frustration when I saw that my husband, Justin, had left an empty can of cold brew and a wrapper from Protein Bar on the counter right next to the recycling bin. Why couldn't he just open the drawer with the, with the recycling bin in it and put it in there? This is something I need to get off my chest. Therapy is a very safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I mean, I've learned a lot from therapy and I have learned that, you know, I need to pick my battles. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dinners today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dinners. We're back with more Dinners on Me. I, I've talked about this before, but yeah. it played very much into my decision of how I knew I didn't, it was time to stop doing the TV show. Yeah, yeah you talked to me about yeah. that. Yeah. Because I was getting closer and closer. I'm still I'm getting closer and closer to my dad's age when he, he passed at 52. And it was just like, oh, you, you, know, you know, you keep having to relearn, the, or relearn, but learn at a deeper level. So you don't know when it's the last day. I don't know when it's the last meal. Sure. I don't know when it's the last conversation. So anyway, um, I'd say it's morbid, but it is about mortality. No, but I think so it's literally that, morbid. <laughs> well, but I think about that conversation when you opened up to me about that, when you mm-hmm. were talking about leaving Big Bang, mm-hmm, and you said, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's so much more I want to do, and, you know, there, there's, I, I have to take this leap and mm-hmm. just say, like, I'm going to, to do things mm-hmm. I want to do now, mm-hmm. and I think that's incredibly brave, incredibly pro- profound, and I, I do, I think about that piece of, I think it's a great piece of advice, like, you know, to, to sort of look at where you are in that moment, in your career, in your life, and think, okay, well, is what's happening around me something that feels right forever? Is it something that yeah. feels right for another year? Is it something that feels right yeah. for another month or another day? Like, and, yeah. and really, you know, listening to that. And, and I, I think that that leap of faith that say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to something new is, is, is really uh, inspiring for sure. Mm-hmm. So, the, so 2001, you were graduating from grad school. Yep. You lost your father. You were moving to New York. Mm-hmm. 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm which is huge. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine like what chaos you you know you were going through emotionally and mm-hmm. mentally. What just astonishes me and I'm so happy that obviously things worked out the way they did, but mm-hmm. how did you open yourself up to a person, a new person, a new love the next year? Well, it's funny you word it like that because I was able to say this at the time, my okay, so I was in San Diego grad school. In, we were going to graduate in May, but we were also going to then work in one level or another at the Old Globe for the summer and then do our showcase in November in L.A. and New York. Mm-hmm. Well, April, my father died. And May, I came back and did my final project. It was a solo project. I always had to do one, like thesis. And then I got cast, and they were doing the, do you know the play Da, which is about an older man dealing with the memory of his father. And I know he's all died. plays. <laughs> um, so I came back, did a thesis, I got cast in that as the son, as the young version of the son who's recollecting his father after he's died, which was wonderful and very weird. And then we did that over the summer, and then 9-11 happened. And we were preparing for our showcase. And I remember me, there were six other people in my class. And I remember him asking us, we do not have to go to New York for the showcase if y'all don't want to. Mm, Oh, right. Yeah. And all of us were like, no, let's go. The showcase was in November, you said? Yeah. Wow. So he was asking this sometime in October. Mm. And we were like, no, let's go. And I remember I had two pieces I did. One was an Alan Ball piece called Your Mother's Butt, which was... (laughs) If you've never read it, it's such I a delight. It. It's a very short little piece. It's so great. And then the other one was a Christopher Durang piece called Funeral Parlor. I know that, yeah. And I remember a discussion going on about that. It's like, is it going to be 
weird slash maybe negative to go to New York six weeks after 9-11 and do a peace club. <laughs> and I said, well, my father just died in April of this year, and I'm the one doing it. So I'm going to say, no, I think it's going to be okay. I don't feel weird about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we came here and did that. And, um, and I'll tell you honestly, I moved in with a very close friend of mine, Derek, who was already here, Derek Cecil. And I was able to note and speak about how open my heart felt ever since my father had died. Like, it was actually the most open I'd ever consciously noticed it in my life up to that point. I was 28 then. And um, and so that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating. One of the things that fascinates me so much about death in that way. And, and there was a version of it when the dog died, too, excuse me, of just like, there's a defensive, a defenselessness Mm-hmm. In a positive way, these ridiculous things, people look different. People look very specific to you. Uh, I noticed this especially like at the funeral in the first few weeks he was gone, less so as time went by, of course. But like, I remember all the family and friends showing up and like, I've said this before too, but I was like, I, it was the first time I ever, they weren't like a swath of people I love. It was as if I could see the little compartment in my heart that each of them oh, lived yeah. in. You know what I mean? Like there was all, some, something was gone and a specificity was available. And some of that energy, I think, buoyed me into New York in November when we moved. It buoyed me through the first year that I was here and into this blind date I had with Todd and... And, and it just went from there. One of the things about it that's remarkable to me and I think relates to that is that I can't believe it was only a year. Yeah. Because it feels like I was here for five to seven and did everything I did, the fact that it all fit into one year because so much was changing, mm-hmm. that's the part that's astounding. But yeah. I had such a good time. It was so much fun. Yeah. Even with everything that had gone on, it was just, I, probably because it was so alive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nothing blurry about it. I love that. But I yeah. think I told you this, when the dog died, it, was, it didn't make me want children, but it did make me realize something that I think could be very comforting about having children, which is like to pour this energy and love into a creature that, in ideal circumstances, but in average circumstances, they go on after you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be there through these people. This, yeah. Whatever this is, you're pouring into them. The things you know, the things you love, your love for them, the way you take care of them and keep them safe and whatever and nourish them. That, 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 that's something that you're investing in for a, an energy and a, and a love and a spirit that goes on after you're gone. Yeah. And, and the dog, that was a harsh thing. I think it must be for every pet owner to varying degrees. It's like, you don't, I never felt that it was all for naught, but it was like, oh God. Why do you put yourself through that? But that's not why I wouldn't get another dog. We have two right now. Yeah. I wouldn't get another dog only because I wouldn't mind living sometime as two adults, me and Todd, without having to consider the dogs before every move yes, yes. which is really oh my god really don't I can't have, even really don't have children kids. no for sure not I'm not saying that I even necessarily want to live most of my the rest of my life like that yeah. um but yeah, like maybe but there a is a curiosity yeah. mm-hmm. although I've heard people say if you take a pause with with dogs you'll not you get back, back in well okay I love the ones I've had yeah. so does that count? yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I know. Our youngest right now is five, so Stevie? knock on wood, yes, we yes. this won't be, you know. I'll be 60 before. Yeah, you got time. Into you got time 60s. to figure this out. Yes. <laughs> if I can still take trips by the, no. <laughs> I love the way you choose what you want to do. There's so many things, obviously, that you do in your career that you feel like you have to do or relationships that you want to, like, see through. And, yeah. But you seem to always lead artistically with your heart, which I, I really admire. And I, I think, you know, that really shows in the work that you choose to do on stage. But, you know, it's funny. My choices, for the most part, which thank you for saying that, but they really are just a choice to say yes to the certain things that are brought to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I still don't feel that I, like, I have the kind of, what do you call it, power to, like, here's what I'm doing. Uh, maybe I could, but I don't think I'm interested in, in having to go through all the machinations to do that. And maybe this goes to what I was saying about what I'm realizing about myself more and more these days. I really enjoy the weird email that comes in that says, John Doyle would like to know if you'd want to do A Man of No Importance. And I knew before I read it, I was going to do it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to work so with great. John Doyle. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that, and that was kind of new to me too. Like, it opened up this, I realized that I was like, oh, there, there are so many reasons to do something. You could do it for money. You could do it because it's a high-profile project, and you can do it. Just go. Oh, I don't care what it is. I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna do a project with that man and see what happens. And that's essentially for me what a man of no importance was. It turned into so much more than that, mm -hmm. in large part due to a beautiful score and a wonderful book and a beautiful story, but in huge part due to the way John Doyle uh, led us through that. Yeah. It was just. It was an amazing experience. I mean, I don't know about you. Have you ever been somebody who's like, who? what roles have you wanted to play? I, I'm like, I don't I, I, I know. I never know how to answer that question. I don't know. I, yeah, I always say, like, they probably don't exist yet. Yeah. I, like, I love creating new things. And, like, I don't know. And they're like, what, who would you want to play? I was like, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Vince yeah. Van Gogh, I look like him. I don't know. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. a very, it's a, it's a. It's sort of a stock question that I get a lot in, in interviews. And I was like, I, I don't have a good well, answer for it. I something came up the other day. I was talking to my agent, and I was able to say, I go, I don't know something. I said, here's all I do know. It's the only two things that have occurred to me. I would love to play a lead character who doesn't speak. And I would really like to do something in a dress with a wig and makeup. Mm. And partly that was because I had recently been given an advanced copy of Charles Bush's book to read. And I had done a couple of his plays back in Houston. Mm -hmm. And those roles in drag were very formative for me, mm -hmm. which I've talked about before. But it yeah. really was that, you know, it was kind of a, a major reason, at least, was that it was the first time I had not had to worry about appearing gay. Like, that wasn't a concern. Yeah. Kind of ties all of our conversations together yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. And I could just access whatever power I felt I had on stage without yeah. having to worry that does it come off effeminate or what I'm in a dress yeah yeah, yeah. so hopefully it does <laughs> yeah. um but uh but it's made me hungry to try that on again as it were you know it's been so long oh god well thank you for coming out that I um, thank you for having me it's new to be here for me it's yeah happy. yeah I'm happy I gotta introduce you to this place um also I know that Another reason why I, I adore you so much is that you, it's hard to get you out of the house sometimes because I'm the same way. It's easier in New York. Yeah. Okay. It is. 
So I, I basically started this podcast just to get you out of the house to have lunch <laughs> with you. It's all a ruse. Oh, Jim, that was so lovely. It was so nice to sit down with him and just talk to another person who is around my age in the industry, came out around the same time, had a similar trajectory with his show and what that meant to sort of navigate through that experience as a gay man. He has always been someone that I've leaned on when it comes to navigating career choices. And at industry parties that we'd go to, I'd always gravitate to him and Todd because I know I'm in a safe space when I'm around them. And we all develop such a deep connection, even though we've never worked together. I just adore Jim, and I'm so happy we had this time together. Next time on Dinners on Me, the brilliant and beautiful Padma Lakshmi. We'll get into what it's like to be a super taster, her life as a latchkey kid in New York City, and the Sports Illustrated shoot that broke the internet. Listen to even more episodes of Dinners on Me on Amazon Music. And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, you not only get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen to them completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale She composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. <laughs> <laughs>